what the WWF fans think about O.J. Simpson. Guilty or not? All proceeds, ladies and gentlemen, will go to the National Exchange Club Foundation for the Prevention of Child Abuse. Get me down! Right now! Hopefully! I mean, right now! We'll see you this Sunday night, but I'm not certain because... What? Sunday night! Get me down, Isaac! Turn Get me down, Isaac! Maybe he's stuck up there, ladies and gentlemen! Getting beat up by nine guys in Syracuse, to me, there's not a whole lot of shame in. The contract specifically stated that the winner of the match would face Bret Hart at Survivor Series. And who won the match? The British, the British Bulldog. Bulldog won the match. Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to October of 1995 for Volume 2 of this month's show. Volume 1 is WCW looking at a quite incredible Halloween Havoc show. Volume 3 is uh, ECW and no Volume 4 this month. We're, we're, we're backing on it, but Volume 2 is WWF looking at In Your House 4. I'm being joined by Del Muir. Del, good evening. Hello, Bob. Uh, just a two-man boo today, so Del, kick us off with the news. Yeah, firing off first, Bob, biggest news of the month in WWF, Shawn Michaels was left really badly hurt after a, an attack outside a club by what police reports say were 10 people that attacked the heartbreak kid. Sean was out with the 1-2-3 kid and the British Bulldog after a show in Syracuse and the incident apparently stemmed from some jibes aimed at the trio from earlier on in the evening. Michaels, who had passed out, was pulled from the car with his head split up against the bumper before one of them tried to pull out his eye. While it's not thought he suffered any lasting damage, the incident itself was enough to see him be stripped of the Intercontinental title. Horrible was the word that Vince McMahon allegedly used following the conclusion of the In Your House 4 pay-per-view show, which saw Diesel end up getting booed. Perhaps he shouldn't have been so surprised the show was being held in Winnipeg and the post-show angle, or sorry, the post-main event angle, saw the champion get into a pull-apart brawl with Bret Hart. That, allowed, that all followed him and the Bulldog working a particularly poor main event, a match that summed up the quality of the overall show. And elsewhere on the card, Shawn Michaels had to walk out and forfeit his Intercontinental title belt on the ring. That was under the instruction of interim WWF President Gorilla Monsoon. The title was awarded to Dean Douglas, who then lost it 10 to 15 minutes later to Razor Ramon in a match with a a bit of a slightly controversial finish. Goldust made his in-ring debut, defeating Marty Jannetty. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated former head shrinker Fatu. The Smoking Guns defeated Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid. And Yokozuna and King Mabel ended in a double countout. 
Just weeks after being formally announced to the WWF roster as the man in charge of wrestling operations, Bill Watts has left the company. It's said that problems stemmed from disagreements between Watts and Vince McMahon, in particular him being overruled by Vince on various decisions. Apparently Watts wanted to change the way the company operated and the in-ring style of wrestling. And one consequence of Watts while he was in place for the company is cutting back on smaller quote-unquote B-level house shows. Apparently they were losing money. It said that the impact will be felt mostly at the lower end of the roster. Fewer shows meaning fewer dates, and that means less talent and less earning potential. And finally, the WWF ran a live poll on Raw asking fans to vote on whether they thought that OJ Simpson was guilty or not, saying they would donate proceeds of the poll to charity. Of course, they didn't tell the foundation ahead of time they were doing it, and they subsequently rejected the funds, saying they didn't want to be associated with Simpson. I think you gentlemen should explain yourself. I think you ought to explain what you're doing busting in with a camera in our locker room. What if we hadn't have been dressed or decent <laughs> or something? Huh? Are you one of those weirdos? Get out of here, Jim. No, as a matter of fact, stay here. Because I want everybody to know this moment. I want everybody to feel this moment. I want everybody to reach out to your television and touch the screen and feel the glory and the glee and the total disregard for any rules and regulations that we have right now. Because we have done something that nobody else... That's the toughest fight I've ever been in in my life. But we've done something that nobody else has ever done. This man's been denied. This man has never gotten his rightful due in the World Wrestling Federation. Never gotten the title shot he deserved. And now he's done something right here on TV in front of everybody that nobody else has been able to do. And that's beat Diesel. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. One, two, three by the referee's count. And Diesel, there's bodies laying all over the ring. There's carnage everywhere. We've proved a point about who the tough guys are, but most of all, we've proved what's going to happen in the Great White North. Because, Diesel, you finally had to put it up. You finally had to save your guts and your self-respect and your pride. Even if you're in line to get your brains kicked out again, you got to put that title up against the Bulldog because he made too much noise. And he forced you into it. So in the Great White North... This time when it counts, one more time, one more time, Bulldog, you're going to pick that seven-foot diesel up over your shoulder. And you're going to power slam him through that mat. One more time, you're going to lay over the top of him. And the referee's going to count one, two, three. And this time, when the referee, as he should have out there, when he raises his hand in glory with a smile on his face, they're going to give the British Bulldog that World Wrestling Federation title belt. And he's going to take it out of the ring. And British Bulldog, when you do... I want you. Oh, I will. I want you to take it back to England because these people around here don't deserve to see it. That's right. You know, Jim Ross, the British Bulldog, has been denied title shots in the World Wrestling Federation for many years. I stepped in the ring with Bret Hart in Wembley Stadium for the Intercontinental title. What did I do? I beat him in front of 83,000 people. This time I step in the ring with Big Daddy Cool Diesel. I beat you, Diesel, right in the middle of the ring, right here on Monday Night Raw. Well, if you think you can run and hide in Winnipeg and you don't think the Bulldog is going to come looking for you, then you're wrong. Because this Bulldog, he's hungry and he needs a bone to chew on. And Diesel, he's less than two weeks away. I'm going to come to in your house to that 50 below hellhole Winnipeg. I'm going to come, I'm going to defeat you and take the World Wrestling Federation title back to England where it rightfully belongs. 
Big Daddy Cool Diesel, the British Bulldog, I'll see you in Winnipeg. And you know something? The people of England are already celebrating. Look at his hat right here, huh? Isn't that great? Princess Di gave him that hat. That's a gift from Princess Di. And speaking of royalty, the master plan came together, and he did it. Do you realize something? You accomplished the impossible, brother. You're my homie, dog. That's right. Not only did you accomplish the impossible, but so did I. When I pinned the Undertaker's shoulders to the mat for the one, two, three. That's right. I accomplished the impossible. I proved to you that I am the almighty king. And in Winnipeg, you claim that I will rest in peace. <laughs> I'm going to bury you underneath a mountain of snow. <laughs> yeah, takes a king to know a king, man. What about right, that? We-, we open up Monday Night Raw on the 2nd of October with Razor Ramon versus the 123 Kid. During the match, Dean Douglas comes out for a brief scouting mission on the aisleway. The match appeared to end and Razor hit a lariat on the kid. Kid doesn't seem happy, so takes out to raise it anyway. Despite the match being over, Razor starts locking in some submission holds. The kid fights back with an open-handed slap, which angers Razor. Razor beats the piss out of the kid, then shakes for Razor's edge before opting to win what appears to be a second match with a simple roll-up. The story being, Kid tried to earn Razor's respect by taking a beating. The kid shakes Razor's hand before attempting to roll him up himself, a reminder that this match ended about five minutes prior. Kid then gets on his knees and indicates he wants Razor to hit him with the Razor's edge. The pair then shake hands as the segment ends. Bizarrely, Vincent Mann wants people to call the WWF hotline and vote on whether they think OJ Simpson is guilty or not. They're donating the proceeds to a child abuse foundation. The results of the poll had 49% of people thinking he was guilty and 51% saying not. Quite brilliantly, the charity of the WWF advertised were not told about the poll ahead of time and refused the money as they didn't want their name associated with Simpson. After a surprisingly even match, Hunter Hearst Howley defeated Barry Horowitz. PG-13, Wolfie D and JC Ice, the USWA Tag Team Champions, win a squash match. Their heads challenged the smoking guns. In the main event, Bret Hart defeated Jean-Pierre Lafitte in a very good television match, hitting a superplex for locking in the sharpshooter. The feud that will never end between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler sparked off again here, with Hart going after Lawler after one too many jabs on commentary. Isaac Yankin was on hand to give Lawler the upper hand. In perhaps the first big sign of the WWF counteracting Nitro, or trying to at least, was the opening match on October the 9th, 1995. Yokozuna, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog face off against The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. At one point, to give himself an extra excuse to sell, Yokozuna accidentally on purpose headbutted the ring post. As if the segment didn't need any more star power as it is, Dean Douglas came out wearing a suit, scouting Shawn Michaels head of their match in your house. Michaels, unsurprisingly, does the bulk of the heavy lifting in this match. The match ends with Yokozuna dropping the leg on Diesel. Bulldog pins him while the ref deals with The Undertaker. After the match, Mabel comes out and attacks Undertaker, Douglas attacks Sean, suplexing his head onto the steel steps. The company then show the Bret Hart-Isaac Yanker match from SummerSlam, the latter five or so minutes of it. Skip faces Fatu, he dominates the match while making the mistake of trying to diving headbutt. As we know, you don't headbutt a Samoan. Fatu won the match with a diving splash of his own. Doc Hendricks is outside the men's locker room. He says Sean, Diesel and Undertaker are not in good shape. Jim Ross storms to the heel locker room. Jim Cornette wants everyone to feel this moment. He said they have done something that no one has ever done. Beaten Diesel in the middle of the ring. Cornette wants Bulldog to take the title back to England. 
We open the October 16th show with news of a $7,500 fine against Mabel and Dean Douglas after their actions last week. We get a promo video hyping Bret Hart against Isaac Yankum inside a steel cage tonight. Under her sound, Helsley defeated Dwight the Clown. Backstage, Barry Horowitz is trying to educate Akushi about baseball. They announced the Undertaker has apparently suffered a, quote, crushed face after last week and won't be able to face Mabel in your house. Unmercifully, he has been replaced by Yokozuna. The Smoking Guns defeat PG-13 cleanly to retain the tag team titles. Ahmed Johnson is out here talking about minimum wage and honour in a backstage promo. Shawn Michaels phones in from home after his attack outside of the ring in Syracuse. We'll hear about that later on. He says he will be in your house. We get promos from Goldust and Paul Bearer while they're assembling the steel cage for the main event. Bearer says Undertaker may never be the same again. The main event is Bret Hart versus Isaac Yankum inside a steel cage. There's a shark cage at ringside, and, somewhat preposterously, given that it's already a cage match, if Lawler interferes, he'll be put inside the shark cage and suspended above the ring. No prizes for guessing where this is going. At one point, Bret asks the referee to open up the lock on the cage door. The referee tries, but he can't do it. Yankum levels Brett during the delay, and we cut to the announce table to find that Lawler has an identical padlock, the real one, under the crown under his table. A ticker runs along the bottom of the screen, in part inviting people to call the hotline to get an update on the Shawn Michaels situation. Yankum taps out in the sharpshooter, but he can only win by escaping the cage. Hart tries to escape, Lawler climbs on the side of the cage and knocks him into the ring. Out comes Gorilla Monsoon, who says Lawler must get inside the shark cage. Brett locks Lawler off, and the pair of officials put him in the cage. He gets hoisted above the level of the cage and keeps going. Lawler somehow manages to suffer an actual nosebleed while the match is going on. He then chucks Yankum the key to the door, but he can't get it open. Brett eventually wins the match. Lawler was excellent throughout in this segment. He eventually begs to be let down. Vince claims they're having some issues with the cabling, and he's not sure that Lawler will be at the pay-per-view on Sunday. Let's get this straight. You said unprovoked attack. Shawn Michaels is the kind of guy who walk in a morgue and, and, and offer to lick any man in the house. But apparently he, he ran his mouth a little bit too much in a nightclub, right? No, that's not at all what happened. What I heard, this is a serious matter now, being investigated by the Syracuse Police Department in an unprovoked attack. Mr. Michaels was pulled from a car by some ten individuals and repeatedly battered in the face. As a matter of fact, to the extent that he lost consciousness and the ten individuals continued, even though he lost consciousness, to hammering. They drove his face into a parked car. As a result of that, he was taken to the hospital. A number of stitches in his face, both eyes swollen shut, and we're trying to reach Mr. Michaels. He'll probably try to blame Dean Douglas on this. We're trying to reach Mr. Michaels in via telephone. And Dean Douglas in the ring right now, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone remembers what he did last week. Wait a minute. Sean Michaels, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Vin Man. Sean Michaels, not not a good week for you, to say the least. I wouldn't give my worst enemy my life. Are you kidding me? My goodness. You're yeah. a heartbreak, kid. Today, lonely, lonely job and getting even worse. I guess it is not only in the ring and around the ring, as we saw last week, but... Apparently outside of the ring. Seems like you can't go anywhere these days. Uh, outside of the ring. I'm not safe in my business, out of my business, anywhere. Everybody's after me. What am I going to do? I've lived both ends of the spectrum this week. I've been feeling great one day, talking to kids. Been beaten on by Dean Douglas, a bunch of thugs, you name it. I don't look good and I don't feel good. Sean Michaels, so uh, it sounds to me like you're trying to tell us you're not going to be it in your house, right? 
You know something, as much as I'd love to say I'm going to curl up and quit, that just seems to be what everybody's doing nowadays. And call me stubborn, but I got to be there. I got to be there. I'm not going to be looking good. And I don't know if I'll be able to get the performance that I always give. One thing's for sure, the heartbreak is going to be there. I'm going to deliver one way or another. And when it's all over, you know, everybody's still going to remember my, my name. And they're going to say, geez, he is something else. And we move straight into In Your House 4. Tell the results. Yep, first up, Bob, we've got Hunter Hurst Helmsley, he defeated Fatu. The Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart, they defeated the 123 Kid and Razor Ramon. The debuting Goldust beat Marty Gennetti. Yokozuna with Jim Carnett and Mr. Fuji. And King Mabel with Sir Mo ended in a double countout. Dean Douglas was then awarded the Intercontinental title after a forfeit by Shawn Michaels. But then, as we said, the news went on to lose against Razor Ramon. Razor is now the new Intercontinental champion. And in the main event, the British Bulldog defeated Diesel, but via disqualification. So Diesel remains the WWF champion. Del, what do you think of the show? Uh, I think we could pretty much give you a review before watching it. It would be the same in the middle of watching it and the same after it. Very uneventful. Filled a couple of hours. They made some money off it. Aside for that, apart from Shawn Michaels and the Intercontinental title, not a lot of note at all. No. Um, I mean, in terms of when you look at who they could have put on this show, mm. Bret Hart was in the building. Yep. Bret Hart was out there for the main event at a table commentating. Owen Hart wasn't there, wasn't on the show. Now, all right, they're in Winnipeg, and maybe the thought was, well, Owen's a heel. We don't want a heel getting a positive reaction. Don't want a heel, but still, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but, and I imagine that in another world where Shawn Michaels doesn't get his ass handed to him by about nine people, that <laughs> Shawn Michaels and Dean Douglas would have had a good to very good match in the middle um, that Douglas and Razor Ramon couldn't. Um, and one thing we didn't know in the news is that apparently Douglas was coughing up blood during his match with, with, with Razor Ramon. Um, but yeah, this, this was a really bad show. Um, and it kind of got worse, you know, like the, the opener's not bad, um, the tag match was okay, although a kind of frustrating finish, and then the show just kind of slowly went downhill, then it took a bit of a nosedive with Mabel and Yokozuna, and it never yeah. recovered. Um, but we will get to that as we get to it. Anyway, we open with female singer Tony Wilson singing the Canadian National Anthem. We start with a message from Grimrilla Monsoon, who says that Shawn Michaels isn't in a condition to compete tonight. He says Sean will have to forfeit the title and it will be presented to Dean Douglas. Douglas is the Intercontinental Champion and he will defend it tonight against Razor Ramon. Vincent Mann, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler have the call. Opening up, it's Fatu against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Fatu punches Helmsley's perfume bottle out of his hand then catches it. He does a ten punch in the corner and Hunter is still in his red, red jacket and Fatu sends him flying to the corner then to the outside. Fatu charges at Hunter, but ends up getting his head caught between the top and middle rope in a spot that will never not look painful. Helsley hits a pile driver, then takes control of the match, locks in a sleeper. The crowd politely rally behind Fatu. Hunter flips Fatu through 270 degrees with a clothesline, which wakes up the crowd. Fatu nearly sneaks it with a schoolboy pin. The crowd audibly, audibly pop for the set setup of the pedigree. Fatu counters. Hunter hits a DDT, but Fatu no-sells it, because he's, well, he's Samoan. Uh, Fatu hits a lovely stationary super kick before nailing him with a running clothesline. Fatu hits a second rope headbutt, but only gets a two. He then hits a running diamond cutter before signaling to the crowd for a top rope headbutt, but Hunter moves out of the way. Hunter hits the pedigree and wins the match. Del. 
there's nothing really much to it, Bob. I mean, Fatou's got, he's got some chops. I mean, there is that kind of stereotypical Samoan thing where it's just like the head's imp- impenetrable. Um, Hunter's, Hunter's pedigree is brilliant. And it's kind of worrying that he's really got that amazingly over finisher. And he's a bad well, guy. Already amazingly way. over. Like, I mean, he, he can't have been on that many raw matches. Exactly. I mean, and, and, people and shouldn't even really know what that's that. I mean, this is the, yeah. sorry, I mean, this is the kind of reaction that people are kind of giving to when Razor Ramon sets up the Razor's Edge. It's yeah. that kind of thing. And he's a heel. This is like a Razor's Edge, a Brett getting the two legs going for the sharpshooter. This is like really, really loud ovations that this move's getting. And he's out there with the, the espadrilles and the ribbons in the hair and the little curtsy and the almost Rick Martell-like perfume bottle at the start. I mean, he shouldn't be getting that kind of reaction, but it's it's just a brilliant manoeuvre. I mean, Fatou's decent as well for a, a guy's size. I mean, there's a bit of, I suppose a bit of something in that, that gimmick when they kind of took him back to back to Samoa and kind of saying he's doing this for the, the neighbourhood and he's there to make this change. And I mean, they're, they're two decent guys. I mean, it is only an opener, but we'd like to think this was the kind of slow start for a better show, but... I mean, it was actually up there with probably one of the matches of the night, which doesn't really bode well for the next couple of hours. Uh, it may well have been the best one. Um, you know, I think one thing we can say about these two is they're both kind of very polished, I would say. Um, that last three minutes of the match with, you know, Definitely. kind of the, the super kick, the clothesline, all of that was really smooth. And they, mm-hmm. they, they both made good moves into quite big impact moves, which I thought was credit to them both. Um, yeah, you know, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley character, it's alright, you know, the, the, the kind of, the pomps, essentially. Um, uh, and then with uh, that pro match promo, I think you can definitely tell he's been hanging about with Steve Regal for a couple of road trips as well. Yeah, he's, he's trying with that accent. I mean, <laughs> He's trying. Um, but yeah, as Dell referenced, uh, Laura attempts to uh, grab some comments from Helmsley, who says Fatou smelled ghastly. Henry Goldwyn runs out with his slot bucket and Helmsley escapes. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was, uh, only match, not much on it, not much build to it. They they, they did briefly mention some, some stuff from Superstars, but I haven't been watching Superstars, and they very quickly glossed over it, so I, I can't really fill you in on all of that. Um, but yeah, it was fine. Anyway, we go backstage, and Doc Hendry is backstage with James E. Cornett and the British Bulldog. They surmise the Diesel and Bulldog feud, and we move on to the Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart versus Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid for the WWF World Tag Team Championships. Billy Gunn is sporting a questionable new shorter blonder haircut. Um, Del, it, it, was it me or did the new haircuts make him look a lot taller? I love the Smoking Guns purely due to their commitment to mullets and moustaches. Billy Gunn has went very, very far down in my estimation, but you might be right. Yeah, it's more like a, a blonde buffon almost. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, no, I don't, he seems to have grown. I, I, I can't quite work that out. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Ray's and the kid offer to shake hands, but rescind the offer, which pops the crowd. Also, we've got two babyface teams out here, essentially. Um, that's that that seemingly was to counter out the fact we had Yokozuna and King Mabel coming up, who we were both heels. I don't, I don't know, whatever. Um, anyway, the kid locks in a vigorous headlock to begin with, but Billy reverses an arm drag. The crowd start chatting for Razor, so that's what the kid gives them. We get some whole wrestling from Razor and Bart Gunn. Razor fires Bart off the ropes, who ducks a clothesline, but the kid pulls down the top rope, and Bart goes flying to the outside. The crowd start chanting for Razor, who then tags himself out to a small amount of booze. Kid makes up for that with some fast offense. Razor hits the kid with a fallaway slam into Bart. We cut backstage to see Dean Douglas taking notes on Razor. 
Bart finally gets the tag to Billy, who's fresh and hits some fast offense, sending Rays to the outside. Bart hits a trio of backbreakers on the kid. Bart holds up, holds kid up in a suplex. Billy drops kid down for the mat. Billy charges at the king in the corner, who moves. With Razor attempting to revive the kid, Bart puts Billy on top of the kid. Razor then reverses it. Kid pins Billy, and the crowd pop big until he realizes that Garn had kicked out just in time. Razor gets a hot tag, unloads on both of the guns. Razor sets for the Razor's edge, which gets a big pop. Razor hits it, but the kid wants to tag in. He does. He goes to casually pin, casually pin Billy, who reverses it into a pin of his own for the three. Del, what do you think? Another kind of, you never really missed much. I mean, as you say, the, the guns have got something. I mean, it's just this, this kid and Razor story. It's like, we were here at the start of 93, and it was kind of good for that couple of months. It gave the kid an aim at long last. Um, it's just, where, where else can we go with this? And then especially when you've got Razor going to be, as we talked about at the start of the show, he's going to be talking about an IC title match later on. Kid just seems to be treading a bit of water at the minute for me, Bob. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's a weird one. I think one of the guys revealing at the Pro Wrestling Talk Show, it's like, how many times are they going to do this whole Razor and mm. Keith kind of, you know, like how many times are they going to have a slight disagreement? Oh, they were mates. Then I'm not disagreeing. Oh, they were mates. It's like, you're, you're not developing anything here. Like, this has been going for about two months now. Turn one of them. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not an interesting story to see Razor and the kid fall into the same trap again. Um, and that being said, I, I, I did quite like kind of the, the, the slightly creative finish, but I, I hope mm. it's going somewhere. I Hopefully. hope it's not just another, oh, let's tease the split up and then we'll put them back together. Cause that's still here in six months time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the match itself was fine. Um, you know, you, you've got the weird thing where you've got the two babyface teams out there, which WWF will do very often. Um, and Razor Ramon was clearly more popular than all the rest of the three of them, which led to a slightly odd dynamic with kind of the kid getting booed a bit. I don't know that if I'm them, I want to be putting the guns out against faces, though, at this stage, particularly faces that are more popular than they are. When they're very early with that run with the belts as well. I mean, you, you can see that they're still... They've got a unit together, but it's still far from polished, and they're not really giving them the best chance. We're putting them out there, especially with Razor, because you see, as soon as he hoists them up for the for the Razor's edge, as soon as he signals that's coming, no one else has got a look in, arguably, on the full roster. Never mind when it's a, a kind of mid-card, mid-card match. It's pretty unfair, but best of luck to them. No, I mean, it... Dale, should Razor be in this spot? I mean, you know, when you look at the rest of this card, d- does he need to be in the second match in a tag match when there's so many better things he could be doing? I mean, I know he was later in the card, but it, that wasn't yeah. the idea. It's another one of those strange WWF things for it's like last year, easily match of the year. You could probably make a pretty strong argument he's been involved in some of them for this year as well, but he's out in the second match of the night. Losing a, a tag team title match to somebody that he's been having an on and off and on and off and on and off story with for months and years and if he's a big guy. I mean Scott Hall back in the, the late 80s, I mean I think people forget when he is in the WWF, he's still reasonably fresh with this kind of Tony Montana gimmick, but he's no, he's no spring chicken. Scott Hall, and I mean he definitely is somebody that should be pushing kind of upper mid to even touching main event I think at this stage in his career and he, he's kind of, it's almost as if he's like the bad guy on screen but he must be a hell of a nice guy off screen where he is kind of seemingly doing he's doing the honours for a lot of people that I, I don't think there's even an argument about it are definitely below him 
After the match, the kid unloads on both the guns and grabs the title belts. The four square off in the ring and then Razor just returns the belt to the guns. Uh, Doc Hendricks is backstage attempting to sell us on some $25 life-size cardboard cutouts of Brett and Sean. Um, uh, Della, I, I found this quite weird. Well, not, not just, not just the idea of trying to sell people, because some people will buy these, but would you not have Diesel as like one of the the cardboard cutouts, you know, the, the guy being, seven foot tall. Being quite weird was very generous. You probably, I just think Doc Henrik's Michael Hayes, whatever you want to call him, is just, it's a very strange, a very strange thing these days. But you're right. I mean, you've got a WWF champion that's certainly in this show as well, is floundering at best. Get him, get him whenever. Get him on magazines. Get him on t-shirts. Get him in those life-size cuts. I mean, fair play, they've maybe saved a couple of bucks on cardboard. Because he's like seven feet tall and they're going with Sean and Brett, but you need to be plugging everything with that big guy on it and I think they've missed a trick, but you never know, he might be on Doc's classic WWF tape that he's given away for free. Well, that's true as well. I mean, I, I, I'll go on record, I'm a massive fan of Doc Hendricks. I don't know why, it just, it just, it meets my Venn diagram of entertaining <laughs> without being annoying and a bit hyper. Um, yeah, I, I think he's really good in short bursts, like, like, like he has been recently. When he's on commentary, I, I think we lose that because he, 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 he's, he talks too much. Um, but in these little kind of hyper, mad 60 second backstage bits, I think he, he, he's on the money. Uh, anyway. We move on to Marty Jannetty against Goldust. We get a picture-in-picture promo from Goldust. He says, tonight is the Hollywood premiere we've all been waiting for. He comes out of the lights off, lit by some faint lighting and camera flash. He's wearing a full gold robe, a gold wrestling suit, and a long wig. Del, I really like this entrance. I love it. I've, can I, I've been very, very intrigued with what they're going to do with Dustin Rhodes. And it's like, where do you go with that? He was kind of, he's always had potential, but when your old man is Dusty Rhodes, probably the most charismatic guy we've seen in a long time in this business, it's like, the natural just wasn't for him, and it's a total 180, this gold dust thing, and the, the vignettes, the promos, it's all been building up to this in the entrance, I just thought really done him justice, and it's, it's not even like one of these dial up to 11 gimmicks, it's like dial it up to like 29, mate, just do not stop with us, and I hope they keep him going, because it, it just really intrigues me, and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant start. I'll leave a bit of a cliffhanger here. I disagree with a fair amount of that, but we'll come to that at the end oh, of this well. match review. Uh, do you know he starts with some flash offense? He's wearing a black singlet with red and orange tassels, competing in the weird stakes with gold dust. Gold dust regroups to the outside, but Jenny sends him spinning with a clothesline onto the R way. Gold dust attempts a roll up, but only gets a two. He then kneels down and slaps Marty. Jeanette hits a hurricane runner. Goldust returns to his feet and shoves him. Goldust hits him with a clothesline that sends Jeanette through 270 degrees. There are some small pockets of dust in chance throughout the match. Jeanette snaps Mayor's Goldust over the top to the outside before ramming his head off the ring steps. Jeanette charges Goldust in the corner, but he moves. Goldust hits the DDT for a two. Jeanette hits the rocker dropper, then goes for a top rope something. He said lands on his feet and drops an over for a two. Goldust runs into a hat-trick of clotheslines. Jeanette goes for a top rope fist drop, but Goldust gets a leg up. Goldust then hits a suplex of sorts, and that's enough for the win. Now, don't... Brina said I disagree. Like the, the the bit where he came out was fine. I thought that was really good. I remember thinking, wow, this is really good. Like, you know, great music. We'll have heard that at the start of the show. Um, you know, funky lighting, a little bit different. You know, he, he's kind of lit up in gold. Um, and then the jacket came off. The <laughs> came off. 
And it's just, it's just Dustin Rhodes. Like, it's just Dustin Rhodes with short hair. Like, I think Bruce Mitchell described him as a banana with black eyes. I thought and he actually looked a bit like a fat conquistador. Just to give yeah, a I'm, random kind of reference. Yeah, well done with that. But it was like, the entrance was, was an 8 out of 10. And then he starts wrestling. And it's just mm. a guy. It's just, it, it, it's Dustin Rhodes who, God love him, is a little bit out of shape, and that, that suit doesn't help that look. Sure. Um, and, and, and it's, and, and there was those, like, it, it was, it was, it was generic wrestler. If you, if you couldn't, if you were slightly blind and you couldn't, didn't have any build up, you would just see generic wrestler against Marty Janet. Just generic. Mm. There was nothing about him in the ring that links between his character that we've seen in the vignettes and in the entrance and his actions in the ring. There was no difference. It, 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 I, I, it just fell flat. It was just an instant removal of any and all mystique. When I, as, as you say, as soon as the robe's off, the wig's off, it's like, oh, that's... Mm-mm. And if you hadn't had the kind of blessing of the vignettes and the promos and the entrance and the build-up, it's like, you would think you had just tuned in and Marty was the... Marty was the name and Goldust was the the enhancement. It was like, as you say, I think it's definitely got it's got something that can't be denied. But as you say, I think there's there's definitely a bridge they need to be building between coming down the aisle and up the steps and then in ring because it does just it does just lose a lot of mystique. Which a character like this, it's it's built on that. That's the foundation. Everything that Goldust is relying on is that mystique. And when you tune in, and it's just, he's been having a lot of fun, I think, since he, since he was in the back of a wagon in WCW, I think he's definitely had a few barbecues, and it's not really something that you can get away with when you've got that, that divisive a character, I think he needs to be creating a name for himself for the right reasons, but I've, I've still got faith in I'm not gonna give up on him yet, I don't think. No, I mean, you can't just go on one match, it was just, that, like, Nothing kills the mystique of like a like a character like this more than a guy popping up for three very sloft soft clotheslines one after mm. another. It was just like, what was that? It was just it was so weird. <laughs> like it it was weird in the sense that like Dustin Rhodes in WCW as Dustin Rhodes had some things going for him in part his dad and his lineage and his name, and in part the fact yeah he was a very easy guy to build sympathy on he had good facial expressions he was a guy that wasn't a great promo but could cut a passionate promo go back and listen to some of our 1994 stuff if you want to hear some of that in WCW but it was almost like they, they put him in here and then they took away all of those positives and then we're just left with Dustin Rhodes a competent wrestler and it's like okay fine and then, like, I forget, and, and the other thing as well is that I talk about him making an impact. Okay, if he comes in and wrestles, I don't know, Razor Ramon, or, you know, Bret Hart, or, or somebody quite big where you can have a quite competitive match with, he's gotta do some selling, fair enough. It's Marty Gennetti. <laughs> Why is he having a, a back and forth nine minute match with Marty Gennetti? I can't explain that. And yeah, it just fell flat. I mean, I'm not, this wasn't horrendous. It was just like, you've been building this guy for three months, promo-wise. I expected a lot more than what we got bell to bell here. The stuff before it was really good. This wasn't, I don't think. Pain me as it might, can't disagree with you, Bob. You, you very rarely can. 
We cut backstage to footage of the smoking guns of the kid doing interviews on the WWF Superstar line. And next up, it's King Mabel with Sir Mo versus Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. Mabel is being carried out on a throne by four very brave individuals. Jim Cornette says Gorilla Monsoon is trying to drive a wedge between Yokozuna and Mabel. That's be a bloody big wedge. Um, <laughs> the pair exchange rights in an opening slugfest. Mabel bounces off the ropes and hits a jumping-ish clothesline, which gets an order gas from the crowd. We get some more stalling. Mabel crashes into Yokozuna in the corner. Yokozuna clotheslines Mabel but misses a leg drop. Mabel goes for a standing elbow but he misses too. Mabel goes for a bulldog but misses it. Yokozuna falls to the outside. The action spills to the outside. Mo knocks Cornette down. Yokozuna falls on top of Cornette. Both men get counted out. After the match, the pair return to the ring and square off. Cornette and Mo attempt to make peace, and Mabel and Yokozuna hug. Del, this, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to have a bad match on pay per view. It's another thing to like to put out a match that I can guarantee is going to be horrendous. And then it was. This was, I mean, mm. the, like, the, I come back to this quite a lot. The only thing this had going for it was it was short, but it was still, like, a lifetime worth of match. It was all well, that's it. I mean, it was easily the shortest of the night. I think we were talking for, like, five, six minutes, but it, it just felt as long, if not longer, than anything else. And we, it, it's, as you say, it's just it's so annoying when it's, we know that going in. But then it's like, oh, they might do something. Someone might come out. We might get. What, what were they least... going to have done with this? Like... I don't... At least some form of innovation and a finish. Anything. You've got Jim Carnett out there. Just keep the camera on Carnett and just let him talk to the camera. Do something. And it's just. You can't sum this up any better than the crowd reaction to the bell. And it's just the booze. Was, we're talking 1995 WWF here. The the fans have kind of seen the glory days. They've had a couple of years where you know, it must get better. It's going to get. It's definitely going to get better. Then you get King Mabel crowned, and it's oh, I don't know now, but they still they've been they've just been neutralised into believing that what they're seeing mediocrity is king in this world, but they still were like, nah, we're not having this. And then the the hug at the end, just like, I mean, it's just pissing on your fans, for want of a better expression, Bob, and it's, oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but for those interested, I, I did write a, an article on King Mabel that's on our website, uh, if you want to go and find that. Um, but oh, I've got about this topic and much other things. Yeah, I mean, it... I don't know, like, what, what, what were they expecting? Like, you know, the, this was going to be King Mabel against Undertaker up until three or four weeks ago, I think, um, was when basically, you know, King Mabel actually injured Undertaker, broke the, uh, orbital bone under his eye. Um, we've seen it though, Bob, we've seen Mabel Taker, we've seen Diesels, and it, we, these guys can't have matches together. They're big, they're strong, they're lumbering, they need to bend with somebody that can feed off that, and they'll never learn. It's like it's got worse. They put Yoko in there with Mabel, and it's like, come on! It's like, like Yokozuna deserves better than this, but you know what? King Mabel deserves better than this. Like, you know, like they they both deserve more than mm. this match. Like, it, you, you can't blame these two guys for going in and shitting up the place because they were only ever going to go in there and shit up the place. It's your own fault. Like, you know, you 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 can't blame the kid for running out in the middle of the road. Like, you knew it was going to. Like, it, it's your fault. 
Like it's, it, it's you, you let that happen. Like I, I don't know. Uh, you would really think when they've got somebody like Dean Douglas on the roster now that they would finally learn that a double negative doesn't always make a positive, but they still go with it and they're still determined it will give them a positive outcome. On that note, we will move on. Uh, we're told that the Survivor Series are going to get a wild card match where we have faces and heels on the same side. We're going to discuss that a bit later in the show. Uh, and Dee Douglas comes out, followed by Shea, uh, Shane Michaels, Shawn Michaels, who is sombre and sporting a black eye. Shawn, walking slowly, steps into the ring. The crowd briefly start chanting no before Shawn goes to hand the belt over to Grilla Monsoon. Shane Douglas snatches it out of his hands and pulls with the tart on the turnbuckle, Sean turns <laughs> around and walks away. Um, Dale, I mean, we can talk about Douglas in a sec, but uh, I mean, we're going to discuss this bit more later in the show. Um, mm. you know, I'm doing a good job promoting stuff we haven't got to yet, but I, uh, I didn't get any of this. Like Gorilla Monsoon, who's playing the de facto babyface, I mean, we, we could have discussed at the top about him stripping Sean of the title. But why have him go out there and do it? I mean, I know it was. Mm. I know the idea was let's put sympathy on Sean. Fair enough. But like Gorilla Monsoon, you're a babyface. Like you look, you were the biggest heel in the room. Like mm. I, 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 I didn't get that. It's kind of like one of those things where you get. Like your kid that's done something and you want to give them a bit of a lesson but it, it wasn't showing that should have been getting that lesson and she say you can see on paper the reasons pretty much behind every part of this like you see the sympathy on Sean so when he's back he's going to get a, a good reaction it's like welcome home you've got Dean Douglas out there who just is insufferable as he is gets his moment of glory but you know it's going to lose I mean, it, it's got the makings of, of good common sense, but as you say, like, Gorilla's out there, and, like, he's just, like, the terrible father that's just embarrassed his kid in front of the class, and Sean gives away tail between the legs. Dean Douglas doesn't really gain much out of it long term. It's kind of good to see him getting his comeuppance, but you don't want, especially somebody that came in the door three months ago, you don't want them getting their comeuppance Ten minutes after the fact, it's like give the man something to get his teeth into, and it's I don't know, it's really strange, really really strange. And next up, it's Dean Douglas versus Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Title. The pair waste little time in getting at it. Razor throws Douglas to the outside. He then starts working on Douglas's arm. This continues for the coming minutes. Razor starts slapping Douglas briefly to whip up the crowd. Razor catches Douglas and hits a fallaway slam. He then hits a high angle suplex. The action spills to the outside. Razor grabs Lawler's water and pulls it all over Douglas. Razor sets to the Razor's edge, but Douglas dumps him over the top rope. Razor catches Douglas coming off the top, then hits a choke slam as both men are laid out on the canvas. Douglas attempts a crossbody, but Razor rolls through and nearly gets a three. Douglas hits a lovely dropkick, but Razor gets his foot on the ropes. Razor hits a belly to back, goes for a slight cover. Douglas slides his foot under the bottom rope, but the ref counts to three anyway. Razor is your new Intercontinental Champion. Razor gets some pyro, but on the replay, the commentators are definitely calling this a contentious decision. Del. Who wins us? It's like, Dean Douglas is a, he's had his moment, he stole his belt, he's grabbed it out of, I think it was still in Sean's hand, so I don't get how I'd even got his hands no, on it. Dean Douglas is there, he's, he's jumped about, he's now not really lost, because as you can see in the replays, he's, he shouldn't have been a pinfall. 
you've got Razor, who's a here who hasn't really won because Dean Douglas shouldn't have taken the the pin. You've then got Razor winning a match after he's been in a match with the tag team champions. So it's like the tag team champions can't really kind of get a strong win over a, a a tag team riddled with dissension. But then the loser of that match comes out and wins the second most prestigious title in the country. It's like, I, I just don't get who wins out of this. And in my eyes, it's no one, really. No, I, I, I'll come to the match in a minute. And yeah, the, the finish was a bit odd. Um, it, you know, given that Douglas had just won the title and given that Douglas versus Michaels was presumably a logical rematch pretty soon, but I don't know what the long-term prognosis is on Sean. Um, you know, it, it would be the first time he took some, some time off for an injury. Um, but yeah, it, it was an odd finish in the sense that the crowd popped for it. None of them presumably would have had any idea what happened. Um, it wasn't particularly a point that seemed to ram home on Raw the following night either. Mm. Um, but yeah, all, all very strange. It was just a, it was just an odd way of going about, an, an odd choice of finish, and like, the whole thing was weird. We'll come to the show a bit in a bit. Um, but I, I think the, the bigger takeaway here, Dal, is that you know the, the, the booking was what it was. I yeah, I don't know what's going on with Douglas. There were reports he was coughing up blood. They did, you know, he did a very good job kind of disguising that. You know, during the match, apparently he took, you know, he took quite a few trips outside the ring and the cameras didn't yeah. focus in on it. But I'm surprised two guys with so much experience, I, I wouldn't say put on such a bad match because I don't think technically it was a horrendous match. But I was surprised two guys with so much experience put on a match that it disengaged the crowd so much. And there's the bit with Razor pouring Lawler's water over Douglas, which struck me as the kind of thing that was just wind on the fly. Um, but it felt like Razor was trying to kind of get the crowd back into it. But I was amazed that two guys who so much experience just let the crowd drift so far off. I mean, maybe it was just the apathy, given that it was a match that had no build, a guy they'd already seen before, Douglas, a guy that's not particularly over. But neither guy did a very good job getting the crowd into this. I think the most worrying aspect of that as well is look at what it's coming in the back eh? It's coming off of Yoko and Mabel. So it's like, send anybody out there, send Gorilla out there and have him in a match and let him kid on, it's 1967 again. And it would probably still get the crowd going after what they've just witnessed, but as you say, it just fell. It fell flat. Whether that was Sean walking out, whether they were kind of, oh, I like Sean. Oh, what's he going to do now? I, I don't know. I do not know what the issue is. And as you say, fair play to, fair play to Douglas for the, the kind of battling on over the, the reported blood loss and things. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's real, it, it genuinely got to me as a fan because as soon as Sean came out and as much as I love Sean Michaels, Sean Michaels isn't going to be shy of work. He's going to get in any arena and get a standard ovation, baby face, heel, whatever. But, Douglas needs something, and I don't know where, I never seen a lot of Raw last month. This month is the first I've really seen Douglas on a, a weekly TV kind of platform since probably August, September, and it, it, it definitely showed signs of Shane Douglas, but he just, I don't know what it is he needs. You see Razor out there with Kid, and you know that Razor's committed to getting the kid over. He's done it since '93. With Douglas, I don't get that. I don't get that feeling that they're both pulling in the same direction. I think Douglas is a bit, a bit kind of deflated with a full gimmick, understandably. 
I think he's kinda the small fish in a big pond now that we spoke about six months ago when this started kind of the wheels were in motion for this and we were worried that it was maybe going to get to this kind of point but he's still early in I mean he's only been here a couple of months give him a couple of years and we'll see where he is but as you say it just it just didn't feel right whether it was the booting getting into it whether it was the match whether it was the crowd whether it was the finish it just didn't click and for two guys that's as good as these two are I mean we spoke about Razor kind of just being after the the curtain twitcher at the start, but I mean he's in the he's in the semi main there for the second best title in the company. So I mean it's a decent a decent platform for the two of them, but as you say it just something just wasn't quite clicking. And it's it's a shame. Yeah, if you look at what made Douglas in ECW, uh, as much as, you know, he was give him the opportunity the platform the license and the free reign to talk about what he likes he can be a very good promo I suspect there are other guys that if they had that kind of platform could do that as well but the one thing that Douglas was kind of about an ECW it was a guy that talked on every show but wrestled on on TV quite infrequently. You know, mm-hmm. he he was having the matches at house shows, but these weren't really airing on TV. It was it was Douglas against big name guy, draw a house, but it, it's not going to feature on TV. The problem is he's come to the WWF, and he's he's wrestling a fair bit. He's wrestling on shows. But he's not really talking all that much. He's yeah. doing some backstage promo segments. Like Douglas is a guy who, if he's going to wrestle in a 15-minute match on pay-per-view, should be talking on every single show leading up to that, doing some promos in front of the crowd, and I don't do a lot of those, doing some promos backstage. Douglas should be a guy talking people into booing it, not trying to... Because he's not a great wrestler. He's competent, he's fine, but but that's where the praise ends. He's he's a guy whose strength is in his talking, and they're not letting him show that strength. I think that's part of the issue. But you are right. It was following a horrendous match. Douglas hasn't been on the roster long. Ramon was out there for the second time. A lot of things didn't go in favour of this match, and that's partly why it suffered. Um, we move on. They introduce Bret Hart. He comes out and shows up to Jerry Lawler. Bret lays in some punches, but Lawler scarps up the R-way. Lawler plays chicken with Bret, who keeps running him off. Bret is out now on commentary for the main event alongside Jim Ross and Vince McMahon. Uh, Diesel tells Doc backstage he's feeling awfully funky as he walks through Gorilla. And it's Diesel versus the British Bulldog with James E. Cornett for the WWF Championship. Bulldog bounces off the ropes and runs into a forearm. Bulldog goes down again, but Diesel slams him. Or goes again, rather. Uh, Bulldog goes to crotch Diesel on the ring post, but Diesel ends up yanking Bulldog into the post himself. Diesel hangs onto the ropes, but Bulldog drop kicks into the outside. Diesel is falling towards Brett, who puts his hands up to stop him uh, falling. Diesel squares up to him and shells Brett Hart. Bulldog takes control. Bulldog begins working over Diesel's leg after Diesel gets in some sort of cloverleaf but Diesel's legs are just too long with Bulldog distracting the referee James E. Cornette drops an elbow on Diesel's leg and starts laying in some kicks Diesel returns to the ring Bulldog returns to working on his leg Bulldog locks in a Boston Crab Diesel inexplicably doesn't reach for the ropes despite being about a foot away from them Bulldog continues working over the leg and continues some more Diesel manages to dump all over the top rope but his leg is in a bad way Diesel hits a suplex and both men are down Borog shakes for a sharpshooter points towards Brett while he locks it in Borog hardly has it on and Diesel flips out of it Borog goes for a power slam but Diesel slides out of it and hits a big boot Diesel calls for a jackknife powerbomb pulls James E. Cornet into the ring Borog crashes into Cornet Bulldog rams Diesel into the ring post on the outside, then Bulldog slaps Brett. Brett goes after him and forces the disqualification. 
No. Um, it's not exactly going out with a bang, Bob. Um, Diesel inexplicably doesn't go for the ropes. Diesel inexplicably slaps Bret Hart. There's just a lot of kind of inexplicableness in this in this match, in this run, in this full year for for Big Daddy Cool. Bulldog, I don't really see what he's done to kind of get himself into this spot. He's just won a main event for the title on a pay-per-view. I just... It's, it very much sums up the full show as well as the news, especially with the reaction kind of behind the curtain after it as well. I just don't... I don't get the point in it. And I mean, one of the, the very few positives of this show in the film one thing a raw as well as God bless her and all that sailed on her with Smokey Mountain at least we've got more Jim Carnet we've got Unibomb coming in we've got even as you'll talk later about in the TV report we've got Al Snow as Avatar but at least we're going to be getting some more James E. Carnet and weekly national TV which is one of the very few things I can I can point out as a good thing as for the match itself it's just it, it done a job it's pretty much like this full show it's almost as if they kind of woke up in the back on the Sunday morning and said, shit, we've got a show today, what can we do? And it's just booked in the fly, nothing's really worked, nothing's really more over, nothing's really happened, to be honest, apart from Shawn Michaels in the title. That's, I mean, that, I don't know, I hope my apathy's coming across, because it was just genuine throughout this full show, and the, the headline match just kind of, Went out as the as the wet fart that the full show was. To be honest, if you're Diesel uh, and you've gone through the run of matches since WrestleMania that he's gone through in, in these main events, and you've had to wrestle Sid and then you have to wrestle Mabel amongst other people, you've been in the ring with Yokozuna, been in the ring with Tatanka, and people like that, God knows mm-hmm. what. You get drawn with a guy like Bulldog, who is is not a great worker. But he, he's got the size, and as we've seen before, we've seen it a little bit even in this project. Bulldog alongside, you know, someone like Vader a couple of years ago. Yep. Is capable of having a decent match. And all that, all that being said, why would, and I don't know whether this was their fault or the people laying this match out, but why would you have a, a 17, 18 minute long match with Bulldog working Diesel's leg for like two thirds of it. Why would you do that? Like of all the of all the ways you could have this match, like these two should be, you know, neither of them particularly brawlers, but these two are, are, are strong guys. They're power wrestlers. Powerhouse, shot. Why is this match taking place on the mat? I, I couldn't work that out. And it, it went on for far too long. It was boring. The crowd were sat on their hands, but largely because Brett was at ringside, and I think, you know, we'll come on to what happened after the match in a sec, but largely because Brett's at ringside, what's he going to do? Exactly. I was kind of sat on my hands thinking, Brett's at ringside, what's he going to do? And the match just blew, and it was like, well, of course it did, because you, you, you sent Bulldog out there to work over Diesel's leg for 12 minutes. Of course it's going to suck. And... And then you've got all the other intangibles, Bulldog trying to do a sharpshooter, and, uh, and I say messing it up, I guess it makes sense for him to mess it up. The bit where he's got the single leg Boston Crab, Diesel's, Diesel's, Diesel could have touched the rope with his he's head. Yeah. And it didn't bother to reach out, and it's like, what, like, shout at Bulldog, pull me away. Like, Bulldog should know better. A, a very weird match, um, with a, a disappointing but slightly understandable non-finish. Just, just, 
poll. Tell anything more on that tell before we move on? Nope, summed it up perfect, Bob. It's, especially with the match as well. It's like, oh, there's Bret Hart. That's the entire reaction of that full arena. Diesel, he, he could have been in there with, he could have been in there with the ghosty Abraham Lincoln in a slugfest. So, like, oh, there's Bret Hart over there. And it's just, just apathy. Wall to wall apathy. Diesel returns to the ring, pulls Brett off Bulldog. Diesel starts attacking Brett. The pair start slowing each other. Referees and officials run out from the back and pull them apart. We we end the show with an ugly ass pull apart. I've got in my notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this man apparently used the word horrible uh, uh, the, the when this show went off the air, um, like immediately after it went off the air. Um, and he, he may well have been referring to the match, although he booked it. Um, and he booked Diesel and Sid, and he booked Diesel and Mabel, so he should be used to this by now. But I don't know what they expected when they thought, let's put Diesel in a brawl at the end of the show with <laughs> Bret Hart after a shit, a shit show and a shit main event. Bret Hart in Canada. What did you expect? That they're booing my baby face. What's yes. happening? <laughs> at least they were cheering Bret. What out of two? It's, uh, you've, you've summed up as, as well as we can. I mean, just the full show. I'm re- Goldust's entrance was good. Um, the full kind of making a story out of Sean's kind of extracurricular activities pretty decent. Douglas getting his moment just popped me. Aside for that, very little or no, just, just, I don't think you could sum it better as a shit match, a shit show. I would be very intrigued to get the word horrible contextualised. As you say, is it the match? Is it the show? Is it the reaction of the crowd to what Vince views as a good show that's just not been well received? Vince may have just found out the booking for Halloween Havoc. True. (laughs) True. And I mean, it's, I don't know. You've not asked me yet, Bob, but I cannot hide my apathy any longer for a rating. And I think the best you can probably give this is about two and a half out of ten for me. I think two and a half's being generous. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what did this show have going for it? You know, it's like, like, like King of the Ring was like comically bad at times, but like. It's like the worst of all shows. It's not bad enough to be good. It's just so forgettable and just meandering for two hours that you're never going to get back. I, I'll give it one and a half. Um, but there's there's nothing about this show you've got to go and see again, and it's it, and who who knows like who like who knows what this show looks like with with Sean against Shane Douglas? Who knows? Like Sean and Dean Douglas, you've got Brett floating about, Owen floating about, even a Bam Bam could have done some. But oh no, but I'm just know. talking about the, the the show they prepared. Well, true, yeah. Like um, we've we've had in your houses before propped up by Shawn Michaels having a really good match in the middle. Uh, Douglas, Douglas, is Douglas a better wrestler than Jeff Jarrett? I don't know. But I think Douglas is, is, is solid enough where he could have bounced around Shawn to the point they could have had a really good match. Right. It's, it, it's like, why wasn't Brett on this show? Like, I mean, I, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, you, the, the, the way you laid it out kind of made sense. You wanted to set up Brett and Diesel at Survivor Series. Uh, all right, fair enough. That the angle made sense, but it's like you're in Winnipeg. Like, why is he on this show? In, in, I don't know, in some shape or form. I mean, I kind of thought like, why well, not just put him out there against Douglas and have him win the title? Like, you know, I don't know how that would have ended, but like, 
that would have been a really good match. If you say no, Bob, it's, it's the worst possible booking, though. It's like he's not on the show, but he's there. So you know whatever is going on inside those ropes, they don't care. Bret Hart sat there. They want to see him. They want to look at him. They want to kind of guess what he's going to do. It's like he's either on it, and as you say, he gets the moment. He's, I don't know, he's, he's getting the shot at the IC, he's getting a shot at, he's, no matter what he's doing, he gets the glory. And if it's building up Sean, oh, Sean's away, oh, not Dean Douglas, Bret Hart, yes! That's how you book him. If you don't book him like that, he doesn't appear. Keep him for a dark match, do whatever you like, but he doesn't appear in that show, because there is nothing that can take away from Bret Hart on this show. Nothing. You know who else is Canadian? Jean-Pierre Lafitte. I know he's a heel in the same way Owen's a heel, but it's like, put him on the show. Like, even if he gets cheered, so what? Like, who cares? Explain it away. He's in his own country. Play the USA kind of thing off against each other. Do it like that. Put him in the ring with somebody who's a baby face that nobody particularly cares about. You know, like Barry Horowitz or somebody like that. Or Hakushi, maybe. Put him in the ring with a baby face nobody really cares about. Crowd pop for him because he's from Canada. That works. That works. You've applied logic, Bob. That's your downfall. You know, well, I mean, that's not the most logical thing, but it's a good way out of it. Like, uh, Owen, I can kind of accept, although it's not like you've done the thing with Owen in the last six months. Admittedly, that he, he did win the, the Battle Raw the following night on Raw. I, I don't know. It's, it's not one of those things that the, the roster's not particularly good at the moment, and, and they're just like, like booking it really badly, like in a way that's like, this isn't bad booking in the sense that you're booking these really intricate storylines and you're just like failing at the crossroads. You're just not doing anything right. Like basic, yeah. like matchmaking. This isn't about booking in a storyline sense in terms of storyline from month to month to month. This is who is, what is the best lineup for this crowd on this night in this area? And it's like, we're in Canada. Okay. Let's have no Canadians on the show. Uh, what, what the <laughs> half? We'll move on. Sean, last night I know that you were mentally ready to step in the ring and defend the Intercontinental Championship, but due to your injuries, WWF officials and the medical personnel would not allow you to compete. i got to know, how did it feel to have to forfeit your Intercontinental Championship to Dean Douglas? JR, you've known me since the day I broke into this sport. I would never claim to be the toughest, and nowadays the last thing I would claim to be is the most popular. But I think as far as work ethic is concerned, there aren't a whole lot of guys that have worked harder than I than I have. I've worked very hard to get where I'm at, and I earned the Intercontinental Championship for the third time. Getting beat up by nine guys in Syracuse, to me, there's not a whole lot of shame in. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff just sort of happens to me. But to have to walk out and give somebody who I think is extremely overrated and really undeserving, my belt, that I worked day and night for since day I was 12 years old to get, to me it was the hardest thing I ever did. And the only good thing about it is that he didn't get it for long and Razor Ramon's got it. It seems like bad luck is following you around. We just find out here tonight on Raw that you're going to be involved at Survivor Series in this wild card situation. Uh, you're going to be teaming with a relative unknown in Ahmed Johnson, but also your teammates will include Psycho Sid and... The British Bulldog. It leads me to my next question. When can the fans of the World Wrestling Federation expect to see the Heartbreak Kid back in the ring? Bad luck seems to be my middle name. They might as well tag me up with my buddies from Syracuse. Uh, 
I have more tests coming up Wednesday that I hope to pass flying colors. I have to check out the brain, which <laughs> I can tell them right now has never been that great. But hopefully it will be up to par, and uh, I'll be back to go within a week, I hope. And one thing's for sure, the heartbreak hit has always been the pain in the derriere of the World Wrestling Federation. I've got two choices, to sit home and cry or to come out and be a pain. And i got news for you, folks. I'm all tied up. We start the October 23rd edition of Monday Night Raw with a 20-man battle royal to crown the number one contender for Razor Ramon's Intercontinental title. Marty Ginetti, Sid and Isaac Yankum DDS were the only people given TV entrances. Bam Bam Bigelow eliminated Sid and the final four was Ginetti, Owen Hart, Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Savio Vega. Ginetti eliminated Lafitte and Vega before being attacked by the British Bulldog who wasn't in the match. Owen then won the battle royal. Doc Hendricks gets interrupted during the Survivor Series report by Bob Backlund remonstrating at somebody in the crowd. Those who remember Al Snow's brief run in ECW earlier this year will recognise him as Avatar here. He's basically dressed as a traffic light. He wins a squash match. Alundra Blaze regained the WWF Women's Championship, defeating Bertha Faye in the main event of the show. Faye chased manager Harvey Wilkman backstage after the match. We end the show with Jim Ross interviewing Shawn Michaels. Shawn says he won't claim to be the toughest or the most popular, but he worked incredibly hard. He didn't see much shame in getting beaten up in Syracuse, but that giving Douglas the title, someone who he saw was beneath him, was the hardest thing he's had to do. On the final Raw of October, and it's a Halloween-themed show, Vincent Mann looks ridiculous dressed as a prisoner, Lawler as a surgeon. Goldust defeated Savio Vega in the opener. Doc Hendricks says that Brett versus Diesel at Survivor Series is a no count out, no disqualification match and will have no time limit. Jim Cornette is cutting a promo in the middle of the ring. He says that Gorilla Monsoon promised the winner a Bulldog and Diesel in the match with Brett at Survivor Series and he then quite rightly points out that Bulldog won the match and now Monsoon has reneged on his promise. Cornette's attorney, Clarence Mason, is back. He's actually quite a good talker. Later in the segment, Bulldog calls out Marty Ginetti. Ginetti runs out and cleans house. Ginetti then turns his attention towards Mason, but thought better of attacking him. In the main event, Owen Hart versus Razor Ramon ended in a DQ when Yokozuna climbed into the ring and pulled Owen off of the Razor's edge. The 1-2-3 kid runs out, but gets a head butt and a leg drop for his struggles from Yokozuna. Ahmed Johnson runs out and body slams Yokozuna, which popped the crowd, and we end the show with Bulldog and Johnson squaring off. McMahon's outfit, really, it doesn't look so bad, it's that, that mask I don't like. Just Mr. Cornette, you're not too happy about the latest turn of events, are you? Wait a minute, I, I knew this was going to, you should have got five to ten for what happened at the last in your house. <laughs> and if you'd have had Mr. Mason around, then this wouldn't have taken place. But to say that we're unhappy about what happened at in your house is an understatement. You see, the once again the British Bulldog is being denied. He's being overlooked, being passed over for an opportunity by the World Wrestling Federation. That's right. Gorilla Monsoon came out even before In Your House took place. And he said that the winner of the British Bulldog and Diesel match would then meet Bret Hart at Survivor Series. Well, the British Bulldog won that match, even though it was by disqualification. But now, what has Monsoon done? Changed his ruling, mealy-mouthed his words around, and now the match is Diesel and Bret Hart for the title at the Survivor Series with the Bulldog nowhere in the equation. 
Now Monsoon is saying, well, what I meant to say was the guy that was champion, not the winner of the match. And he's going back and forth. The bottom line is this. He's trying to pass the bulldog over once again. He is trying to deprive him of his constitutional rights. And he's going back on his word like some kind of cheap aluminum siding salesman. The British Bulldog had Diesel set up for the kill. In a matter of minutes, he was going to beat him one, two, three, and he was going to be the new champion. Okay? But Bret Hart, being the instigator that he is, he's got to stick his nose in the ring. He's got to tackle Diesel. He's got to cause the disqualification. And now, the British Bulldog has a grudge against two people. Number one, Diesel. Because Bulldog's the rightful champion, and he wants a chance to prove that by getting a return match with Diesel. And number two, he's mad at Bret Hart, because if it wasn't for Bret the Stick and Hitman Hart, he'd be the champion right now. Right. So he wants Bret Hart. Yeah. Now get in line. Why is Mr. Mason here? Well, if you'll hold on one second, Zebra, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's very simple. Since Gorilla Monsoon is not going to stand by his words and Gorilla Monsoon is not going to live up to his promises and his commitments, I have once again had to retain the services of America's finest litigator, Mr. Clarence Mason. That's right. This man has been writing writs all day, and I've read the writs he's written. And if you've read the writs he's written, you'll know they're really well-written writs. And one way or another, he is going to force Gorilla Monsoon to live up to his commitments, and he's going to get the bulldog the chances at Diesel and at Bret Hart that he wants, that he deserves, and that he's legally entitled to. Is that not right, Mr. Mason? Absolutely. And first thing I would like to say to you, Mr. Cornett, don't worry. Clarence Mason is on the case, and justice will be served. Yeah, he's the best barrister ladies and gentlemen, Jerry McDivitt. When I got the call from Mr. Cornett, I came up as quickly as possible. And since I've been here, I've had an opportunity to do two things. To observe the tape of what took place at In Your House, and also to review the contract signed by the parties involved in that match. And I've come to a number of conclusions, first of which are this, that the actions of the president, the interim president of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Gorilla Monsoon, are both outrageous and egregious and totally unacceptable. The contract specifically stated that the winner of the match would face Bret Hart at Survivor Series. And who won the match? The British Bulldog Bulldog won the match. I thought it was understood that the WWF champion would face Bret Hart. Not necessarily the winner. Absolutely not, sir. If you look at the contract, the contract specifically stated that the winner, not the champion. You see, Mr. Monsoon is playing semantics here. But this is business. We We had a contract. We had offer, acceptance, and consideration. The bottom line is that the British Bulldog is being given a railroad job here in the World Wrestling Federation, and we're not going to stand for it. Mr. Cornett, we're demanding two things here. First of all, a match with Bret Hart, because but for Bret Hart, the British Bulldog would be the World Wrestling Federation champion right now. Exactly right. We're running out of time, but notwithstanding... I just got one more thing to say. If it wasn't enough what Mr. Mason is talking about, and don't worry, with Mr. Mason, justice will be served. He'll get Diesel. He'll get Bret Hart. He'll get everything that's coming to him. But what about this wild card match at Survivor Series? This is insanity in itself. Gorilla Monsoon is trying to change the balance of power in the World Wrestling Federation.
Shawn Michaels was involved in a fight outside a club in Syracuse, New York, after a live event earlier this month, being set upon by what some people have said was ten people. Michaels reportedly had a car door slammed on his head before being involved in a fight that also involved Shawn Walkman, the one, two, three kid, and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Apparently things started inside the restaurant on Friday the 13th. It's been said the phrase phony faggots was aimed at them, but with all three tired, having just worked a house show, they didn't want a confrontation. Later, they were offered a ride by the girlfriend of one of the club's bouncers. Along with Bulldog and the kid, a man named Robert Jones, all three squeezed into the back of a two-door car, with Michaels passed out in the front seat. Michaels was subsequently pulled out of the car and attacked. The ability of Smith and Waltman, one of the tougher men on the roster despite his on-screen gimmick, to defend Michaels was compounded by their difficulty in getting out of the car. After being pulled from the car, reports say that Michaels' head was stamped on and ran into the car bumper. He did manage to get one of them in a face lock, then ended up having another stick his finger in his eye, trying to pull it out. Eventually, the attack was broken up by the club's bouncers and someone allegedly carrying a gun. The perpetrators escaped in two cars. Smith worked the In Your House pay-per-view with a black eye and Waltman seemed visibly fine at the show. Michaels was in such a state that a doctor advised him not to travel to the event in Winnipeg, let alone wrestle. He was taken to the hospital at 3am with both eyes swelled shut and bad facial swelling, though it's not thought that he suffered a concussion or any breaks during the incident. As for how the whole thing played out on television, the company treated it as a shoot, reporting the incident on Raw as it happened, even if it was a brief mention. Michaels did a phone interview during a squash match, but he and subsequent television were hyping that he would still be on the pay-per-view. It was only at the very beginning of In Your House for itself that Michaels was formally ruled out of the show. Even on the pre-game show just prior, there was nothing conclusive on his status for the show. Gorilla Monsoon announced at the top of the show that Michaels wouldn't be competing and would be stripped of his intercontinental title, which will be awarded to Dean Douglas. The segment involved Michaels walking out to the ring looking incredibly sombre, with the scars of the incident still very visible. When Douglas snatched the tart from him, he just turned around and walked off. One thing in WWF's presentation of the incident was a lack of mention of the involvement of Smith and Waltman. They didn't want to mention heels and faces travelling together. As for how WCW covered it, Mean Gene Oakland promoted a highly successful hotline story live on Monday Nitro. The story details how Michaels came up short in a, quote, fight with a fan. It wasn't even the only scrape that Michaels got into this month. A week earlier, the Brew Brothers, a.k.a. Ron and Don Harris, who appeared in ECW in 1994, called him in the locker room, held him by the throat, and shoved him into a wall. It's felt their frustration was one of the reasons they confronted Michaels over personal disagreements. The pair worked their final night with the promotion a few days later. And we'll come out of that, Adele, and we'll start talking about uh, Shawn Michaels. We heard in that uh, reader we just heard then the kind of the full breakdown of what happened. Yeah, we can't really discuss that. That just happened. But I, I guess the discussion topic really is kind of how the, the, the WWF handled it. I mean, in terms of, you know, could they have... You know, were, were, I mean, I guess that was my first question I, I could ask you about three or four, but... Were, were they right to like just front up about this story and say this is what happened? Like, it, it, isn't this classic? We've got a guy who's injured in like off television. Effectively, we'll group it with that. Why not turn it into an angle? Why not say Douglas beat him up before a show? Like, I, I don't get the sense this story was that big. You know, I don't get the sense this story that would have would have got much more attention outside of the New York area. I mean, Sean's a fairly mm. big name, but would it have not been better to have made this into an angle? I think. <laughs> 
I think they kind of called it in the fly, but then they were smart enough to roll with it. It's probably the best way to sum up, because very early on it was just Shawn Michaels has got a bad concussion. Unable to defend, stripped to the title, this is what's happening. And it was more probably the benefit of a five-week month in October, where you had the Raw the night after and then the Raw in the last week of the month that kind of peeled back the onion on the story. And I think from the from the fan of reality that I am, I like it that they've kind of not went entirely with the real life story because obviously that would unearth some things that they probably don't want people knowing about one of the faces of the company but they went far enough into it for me that I liked how they done it it kind of then develops onto what's probably going to be your second or third question whereas how is it how has it impacted the way that they've handled it from a bigger picture point of view, it's all well and good coming out when this story's breaking, they're going in the fly, they've done the best that they can with it, and then they've worked with that in the back of it, that's brilliant. But, has it made, has it made people look good? Has it made the title look good? Which is, I mean, it is a human interest story at the end of the day, where Shawn Michaels has probably been Shawn Michaels, and that's why he's ended up the way that he has, but there is a human interest in there for a guy who's been, Set upon, but depending who you hear it for six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. But the, the, at the end of the day, it's a wrestling company. They might want to be entertainment. They might want to make TV. They might want to tell a good story, but it's a wrestling company. The wrestlers are in the company to fight and they're there to win titles and get a praise and things like that. That's got to be their number one key factor for what they're protecting. Did they do a good job of handling that? No. They've, they've just kind of dissed it the, the title, they've had it in a lackluster match on a B-show that's going to be instantly forgotten even as we are at the minute a week and change after the fact no one's going to remember this really for anything apart from the, the underlying story of what the hell happened with Shawn Michaels and Davey and Kidd in that club, what happened with that that's the only thing really coming out of this show and it's, did they handle that correctly for me? No, but a fair point to them for at least trying and kind of almost peeling back that curtain a little bit. For that fact, fair play to them, and I, I do quite like it to an extent. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the one thing in the kind of the audio clip between the reader and the TV report I played, which is the, the Sean promo with, with, with JR, it did really good job putting a lot of sympathy on him. So I, I think yeah. that's a big positive. I, I think it's more a case of could, could you have got someone else over in this, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I. There are there are positives and negatives to doing it the way they did it, but I, I don't know that there was a, a great angle out of this. Given the way they tape, you know, it's only really effective if you can tape a beatdown. And it's like, well, if it happens between tapings, what can you do? You know, Sean, you know, they doctors told him not to travel, let alone wrestle. Um, or, or one point they did. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, I don't particularly think he was in a condition to do an angle, nor plus it would have looked a bit weird if he'd have come out for a beatdown already with black eyes. <laughs> that would have looked a bit weird. Um, so yeah, they, they could have gone about it other ways, but I, I think fronting up about it was maybe not the best idea, but it wasn't that far off. So I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, and whatever they did, it was certainly a lot better than what me and Gene Oakland said on WCW Monday Nitro, where he said, and one of their top superstars got into a fight with a fan. Um, <laughs> it's like, well... Mm. 
Are you accusing yeah. Gene Okerlund of somewhat defrauding the truth, Bob? Because I would never believe that, especially with that highly reputable hotline that he's running. Absolutely. And it's not like me and Gene Oakland has any financial interest in, in, in how that, that hotline operates. But yeah, you know, as, as, as obviously, you know, it, it did a very good job of building sympathy on him. You know, getting beaten up by nine guys is a very sympathetic thing to do. The promo he cut with, with JR I thought was like really on the money. And then it was just like, there wasn't a lot of confidence. There was no swagger. And, you know, as much as he may have been, you know, high as a kite and, you know, too drunk to remember anything, it must have been quite a traumatic thing to go through to wake up in the hospital with, you know, act, that, the actual effect of that. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, positives and negatives, but on the whole, positives. Um, we'll move from that on to Diesel. Another um, man full of positives, Bob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I don't know that he's losing the title next month. I, it just seems like an opportune time to do it. Dave Meltzer's talking. Dave Meltzer's referencing Bret Hart in the Ric Flair role, where, like, NWA and WCW, they tried something. It didn't work. What's the default? We go back to Flair. Yeah. WWF, try something. Yokozuna Lex Luger didn't work. What's the default? We go back to Bret Hart. Um, we are coming up on a year of uh, of Diesel's title run. Um, it, it's not that. I mean, we're, I'm sure when it ends, we'll, we'll, we'll have this discussion about you know where exactly it went wrong. Um, but I think the time's about right that they've got to change something. Your know, numbers aren't good. I mean, you know, um, the, the character's not connecting. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a good time to change things. What would be my answer? I would probably agree with you, Bob. They've gave it, we, we spoke about this kind of more in the run into, the run into Mania when it was, is this Sean's time? And it was, no, give them, give them a due. I mean, the diesel experiment isn't really working, but now we're not in March, we're in October, we're coming into November, Survivor Series, last big, big show of the, of the year for the Fed. They've gave him his run. I mean, it would be nice maybe to tip him over that. That edge into the year, give them start of December, but dare I say if you do want to make that, that moment and kind of hitting the reset button and going back to a Brett or 1A or whatever they have as the alternative to that, you want to do it in a big stage and in the Survivor Series is really the last chance you want to do that. I don't think they want to be holding off to a, to a rumble at, at the other side. I don't see them really want to go over that, that year by as much as maybe another couple of months or even another six months. I, I just don't think that would help the company. I don't think it would help Diesel. If there is such a thing as a good time, it, it probably is now. Get it out of the way for 95 and even just look at 96 as a fresh start, whether that's Diesel getting into a, a rumble and kind of pulling another another 94 out of the heart and kind of getting, getting himself over, but with the... the the anchor of the albatross of the title, kind of holding him back. Um, as you say, it's really not been good. There's very few positives you can pull out of the mania numbers were probably one of the most frightening aspects of the run. The, the house shows haven't been great numbers, the, the, the shows in general. I mean, we're now in a, a position where this company's got to be looking at, instead of it being like a four or five show year, they're really looking at a 10, 12 show year now. Diesel isn't really your guy for that. I mean, we, we spoke about the guys that he was getting lumbered with, whether it be a, a Mabel or a Yoko or even with the, the, the most solid guys are Sean and a Brett. 
even they've struggled to get some out the big guy. And I mean, it tells you something when in, when in your house, they're, they're kind of going back to his history when he surgeries and they're taking it back to his basketball days and even his high school days when if you're selling your, your, who should at least be your number one guy on the back of a dodgy wheel, it's not, it's not ever looking good. And I think, I think it would probably be as much a good thing to give him that, that fresh start taking the belt off him because as, as, as much as he's tried, I mean, God love him. He's done his best. He's seven feet tall. He's got a decent look. He can't talk in the mic. He can't put on that, that clinical wrestle match unless it is literally somebody putting him in and out of holds like a Brett would do. I think it would just be giving him a, a bit of fresh air and something to go with that. You've got Sean out maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Who knows at this point? Let him go himself. Let him do something. Can I almost create a, create a name for being Diesel? Get the kind of big daddy cool that we've seen sitting down with Vince in the pre-tapes and get that, get that side of him out where it's just to see him as a guy and not, not somebody with the, the weight of the world on him. And I think it could be, I think it could be a good thing if they did hit that reset, but, uh, reset button, Bob. I think it would just kind of give him a, give him a new lease of life, let him see where he goes, give him a couple of months and you never know, he might even find himself in a, a mania picture and I can, maybe not a main event picture, but certainly upper mid card. You could see him wanking about there, putting me a razor, or something that's just kind of a bit different for him and see where he goes, because I think he's, he's gave it a good run. Companies gave him a good run as well, but I think it's just time for a, a bit of something different. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point with regards to the pay-per-views. If this was 1993, if this was Survivor Series coming up and then it was just the Rumble and WrestleMania, yeah. it's like you, you can bridge that gap, but when you've got to fill a main event in November, December, January and February, um, and then maybe March, depending on which month WrestleMania is next year, um, obviously it kind of bridges that border, um, you, you can run into trouble. Um, I don't know. I mean... It's one of those things that there are a number of reasons why this hasn't worked. Some of them are his fault, some of them definitely aren't. Um, for me, there's one way you can save it, and that's if you turn him heel. Um, I, I think you could have saved it by turning him heel three or four months ago. We had that discussion on the show then. Um, but if you turn him heel, you because that's that's the one thing, like the one like part of the thing that 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 caused me to kind of set this discussion up for this point in the show was. If he beats Brett at Survivor Series, who does he face in December? Like, there's nobody ready. Like, there's, if you look at the heel side, like, who is it? Like, they, they turned Bulldog to face him in this bit. Yeah. There's nobody else. Like, you could do Yokozuna, I suppose, but they've not built that up. Um, they're not going to go back to Mabel. They're not going to go back to Sid. And it's like, well, other than that, who is there? And there's, there's nobody ready. Uh, Dean Douglas isn't going to be ready for that in two months. The only kind of slight possibility you've maybe got Bob as a taker. And I mean, I, I agree with you with a heel run, but. The taker's baby the, face as well. Well, that's what I mean. If you were, if you were going maybe heel diesel and then like a kind of face taker maybe. Well, I mean, but, if you're going heel diesel, a lot of things open up. You go and heal Diesel, then he can face... Well, the other option on the heel side would be knowing Hart. Um, but they, they, they've not done enough with him to, to suggest he's going to be in that spot. But if, if they turn him heel, he can face Undertaker, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Batman Bigelow, Razor Ramon. Um, the list is pretty long. That the, the, there the, gives me my biggest concern about it, is then you would be starting another another experiment. So we're then going to be talking about another three, another six months and... 
I think it's, it's definitely probably the only option that they've got, but I think I would do it without the spotlight and then see if he can, if he can get his sell over in that, that aspect. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah you, you might be right. The, the idea might be put the title on Brett, turn Diesel heel, and then rematch them at... See what he can do under a radar, yeah. Maybe if that's the WrestleMania main event, it's Diesel as a heel chasing Brett the babyface for the title. That I'd kind of want to see. Like that'd, that'd, that'd be interesting, because at least, because that's the thing, you, you say it'd be an experiment, I, I think there's very justifiable reasons to say that would be a mu- experiments that much more likely to succeed. Um, and we saw in 1994, Brett's not, Brett's very watchable as a champion, but it's not like he's a, he's not a massive difference maker business wise. Like the, I think that's one of the things with, with Brett, and it's to a point one of the things that you might have said with Ric Flair over the years. It's like, we know Ric Flair's baseline. And people see that and think, well, if we can do that with Flair on top, what can we do with Sid Vicious and that yeah. for both companies? What can we do with all these other guys evading all this? And it's like, if, if Bret Hart can be that baseline, imagine how good Diesel would be. So there's there's kind of that thought process as well. But yeah, they are they've done a very bad job this year of like who have they built up for the title? What Mabel? Is that it? Like you know, it, it, it's grim really. Um, but yeah, I, I think now is the time. It's it's not work for reasons that we'll get into. But get the title off him. And then you can do a lot of things with it. Or turn him heel. I think he, I know what you mean. You turn him heel, but I think, I think the, the landscape changes if Diesel's heel as a champion. And I think it's like, okay, now we've got Brett chasing Diesel, but Brett could be the babyface rather than have rest as a heel. You can then finally do Sean against Diesel with Sean as a synthetic babyface and Diesel as a heel. And then you've got this big long list of guys. It's like, oh, that's an interesting matchup. I know what you mean, but that's, Probably where I'll go. Any final thoughts on that, Dale? I think between the two is, I reckon we could probably come up with something that's been a lot better in the last year. Maybe I'm putting ourselves down with doing that, but there's definitely legs in both of what we're saying, I think. Best of luck to the big guy. I hope he does something. Uh, we will th- uh, close with just a quick kind of preview for Survivor Series. Anyway, uh, there's, we're not really going to do match by match, so I will read out the, the prospective card as, as the Pro Wrestling Talks has it here. But the reason I kind of brought it up was just kind of uh, mainly just to discuss you know they're, they're not on a great run of pay-per-views this year I don't know that this kind of lineup would have been the kind of thing I'd have put forward but anyway this, this is the this is the card we're predicting for, for next month um, it's that they're doing this kind of wild card four on format Shawn Michaels newly introduced Ahmed Johnson Sid and the British Bulldog versus Razor Ramon D Douglas Owen Hart and Yokozuna uh, Undertaker Fatu Henry Godwin and Savio Vega versus Joe Lawler King Mabel Hunter Herselzy and Isaac Yankum uh, Barry Horowitz Hakushi Ava and Marty Jannetty versus Skip, Brad Radford, Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Tom Pritchard and Alundra Blaze, uh, Kyoko Inui, uh, Asari versus Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, uh, Lioness Asuka and Tomoko Wanatabe. Uh, they've got Goldust against Bam and Bigelow and also the title match <coughs> me, with Brett and Diesel. Um, Dale, given their run of pay-per-views, I know this is Survivor Series, I know it's the show that has all these four-on-four tag matches. I... Don't know that I'd have done all these. I I, I know what they're trying with the wild card match, mm. but it kind of feels like let's take every recognisable name we've got <laughs> and let's throw them into a match where nobody will know who to cheer. That just seems like a recipe for disaster. 
pretty much, and it was one of the most awkward moments of the month as well. It's just for a kayfabe point if you try to explain that there is such a thing as good guys and bad guys. It's like, well, there's good guys and there's kind of rule breakers and you cheer, like, the people you like. And it was just really awkward. Um, it could be one of these things that turns out to be a masterstroke. I'm, I'm very much thinking that's probably in the ratio of one to two against the eight or nine. And that's just going to be a cluster. I don't think... It's almost as if they've tried to be smart and, like, seen... The end of the, the diesel bulldog match in your house and then thought, well, they didn't like that, so they booed it and we wanted them to cheer. So if we give them something where they don't know if they want to boo or cheer, then we will win. I think that's maybe been a fair bit of the logic, probably a higher percentage than I'd like to admit. Um, it's never really been one of my favourite shows of the year, the Survivor Series. It does feel very, very clunky where it's like, out of the four and four times five, six matches that you've got in the the card, every match you've probably got about one or two pairings that make sense, and then it's kind of by association. Undertaker, so Fatu, Henry Godwin, and Savio Vega. Oh yeah, they they're closer than closer than close, Bob. I mean, the, the amount of times I've just walked into a random bar and those four have just been sitting there. Brothers, it's worth it's, saying that there's only one wild card match. That's not the case for all of the matches. Um, but yeah, like you a, could yeah. be forgiven for assuming that they were all wild cards. Though, let's be honest. Well, well fair point. I, I, I will give them Lawla Mabel, Hunter herself, and Isaac Yankum. Kind of makes sense. You've got kind of because you've got like Yankum and you've got Lawla, but then it's like, well, where does Mabel pop? And then you've got more on the outside and. Helmsley, well, you well, just... Well, Mabel's King Mabel, because it's the royal team. So Lawler's bound to Yankum because he's his dentist. There you go. I'm, I'm trying to make logic out of this. Mabel is King Mabel, so he's royalty. And then Helmsley is, you know, part of the upper class, so that's close enough. Using your logic, though, Mabel would be uh, Lawler. So... For everything that you gain, you kind of lose in the same oh, stroke. That's true. That's true. Mabel, Mabel I mean, that's just us sitting here talking about it for five minutes. I mean, to be fair to them, you can kind of see in a booking meeting how that could go awry very quickly, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like King of the Ring can set up feuds and you kind of get many feuds out of that, and then there's like the real King versus the old King. You know, things like that make sense. Rumble's the same, but... Somebody eliminates somebody and then that kind of starts a, starts a new run into Mania or that kind of, like the first two out or the last two it kind of peaks like a few that's maybe been trailing in the end of the year before. Survivor Series is just one of those kind of, it's, it's really good like the first time you see it and it's like, oh, I always wanted to see X and Y team and oh, what would happen if you, oh, they, they would probably be a good team and then you can maybe even get tag teams coming out of that with mid carters or low carters and, it's, I, I don't know, it's just always been a funny one, and then this wild card really has just literally thrown a span on the works for what it's meant to be as a wild card, and it's, it, it could make sense, it could come off as a, a strokey genius, but I just think the crowd's not gonna have a clue what way to go here, and I think that's just gonna reflect poorly in the show and possibly the buy rate as well. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing as well, you've got four, four and four matches, that's, you know, 32 people, I think, yeah, yeah. That and is. the fans probably care about 8, 10 yeah. at best. 
you've got a roster that's not particularly over and you're mm. putting all of them on a show. It's like I look at the wild card match and, you know, we are talking about Sid, Ahmed Johnson, Bulldog, Yokozuna here, but I'm like, there, there's four quite decent-ish singles matches there. If, if you want to pair them that way, and instead you just put like it's weird, like you 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 taken all of your most recognisable guys outside of the, the main event match, which I, I did overlook, and is actually a no DQ, no time limit match. So yeah, that when we did worst of Wacky's on Bret Hart, it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a screwy finish. Although if this was WCW, they'd call it a no DQ, no time limit match, and then it'd run out of time and a DQ. That's by the by, but it's like. You've got all of your recognisable names, all the guys the crowd are most likely to pop for, with the exception of Undertaker, who's in his own match. And then you've gone, let's put them in one match, and let's mix them up. And it's like, okay, but this is what I'm talking. This is this is this is what I'm talking about earlier. It's like you, you you've not got a massively deep roster. You look at WCW, and they they just seem to have a roster that never ends. You've not got a massively deep roster, but I could forgive you if you were putting all of those puzzle pieces in the right place and they're not they're they are bu- taking a bad roster and they are booking it badly and it's like you can't the really double forgive- negative theory yeah. again and they're convinced it's going to work one of these times you can't really forgive that i mean the japanese the, the japanese match with, with, with the japanese women should be pretty good um brett gets diesel and brett's good enough if it's an odq match there's, there's a lot of ways they can go with that match uh it might not necessarily be the, the worst wrestling show but it's 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 a puzzling lineup on paper but we don't do that many show previews i just thought that was an interesting discussion point and also i thought i'll put this on the show because it's quite a short show there's only two of us we might not go that long of course we've gone like the better part of an hour and 45 minutes because that's what me and dal do uh dal thank you very much for joining me this week oh that's all as always always a pleasure bob uh, you are on Twitter. Yep, Twitter, Dell underscore Muir, Wrestling 20 Years Ago website for the blogs. Check us in Twitter, Facebook, anything you can I, I, find I us on. I hope your power rankings are coming along. I feel like if I say that on air, you'll have to do them now. Pretty much, I'm committed now to doing it. So it's no. just a bumper bonus edition just That's to continue for the holiday season. Would you last month and this month? So hopefully exactly. the show airs down. And then December will be a climax with the power rankings, the top 50 of the year. Well, and, and November, don't, you know, you, you're already skipping ahead. I'm jumping ahead to myself. I'm already Thanksgiving and Halloween and Christmas. I'm just getting excited for the year end. There we go. There we go. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bobby Bamba. Uh, you can find the project on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. Uh, Wrestling20YRS.com for your blogs, your back episodes, facebook.com forward slash Wrestling20YRS. We are on iTunes. We're on RSS. You can subscribe to our email newsletter on the website. And I think that's about it. So volume one, you've got, uh, we haven't taped it yet, but I, I watched Halloween Havoc last night. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, like I, I say to Dale before we come in there, like I, we could record that show four times the next week and I may have four very differing opinions on that show. So I'd be very interested to see what I say about it because I'm not really sure yet, which is weird. Um, but you'll have probably heard that show and it'll be interesting what I come up with. Uh, volume three is ECW on, on that bit. Um, but Dale will be taking you on the ECW action of the month. And, uh, that's it. So I've been Bob Bambert. This has been volume two of the October 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.